From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. The Conspiracy Show is heard from Toronto to Albuquerque, New Mexico, to Yakima, Washington, and from Lubbock, Texas, to Kodiak, Alaska. And this, if you're new to the program, this is a program that endlessly, tirelessly searches for, but never claims to find, the truth. It's a a funny thing about uh, truth. To echo the American humorist Josh Billings, as scarce as truth is, the supply has always been in excess of the demand. Ain't that the truth? My name is Richard Serrett, and uh, thank you for inviting me into your house. If you'll uh, allow me to stay a while, I promise to leave you with some gripping, compelling, intriguing information. Of course, I'm not guaranteeing you'll get a good night's sleep after I leave. Perhaps Christopher Morley was right. Truth like milk arrives in the dark. I've got another great show for you tonight, uh, but before we get to that... Tonight marks the official launch or relaunch of the all-new and improved RichardSerrett.com website, which is your portal to the Conspiracy Show here on uh, the radio. As most of you probably already know, the website was hijacked on the eve of our JFK 50th anniversary special, and I'll let you decide whether that was a coincidence or not. So if you log on to the site, again, RichardSerrett.com, You'll notice some substantial changes, and I hope you'll take some time to navigate around the site, and I look forward to your your feedback. Some of the pages are not quite complete. The past show archive, for example, is not quite there yet. And the search engine that will eventually allow you to search for past guests, book titles, articles, etc., it's not quite there yet. Nevertheless, I'm very pleased and proud of RichardSerrett.com, and special thanks to Kevin Este and his team at Kevin Este Design down in Wolfville, Nova Scotia, for pulling the uh, the site together. And once you've visited richardserrett.com, don't forget to subscribe to my new weekly Conspiracy Show newsletter, which will be ready to launch, I hope, in a few weeks. There'll be more details to follow. It doesn't even have a name yet, so I'm looking for some suggestions, and some of you have been kind enough to send me some great suggestions uh, via Twitter. So if you've got some suggestions, what to call the new newsletter... Again, you can contact me through the website at richardserrett.com or send me a tweet at richardserrett. All right, now that we have the uh, the paperwork out of the way, let's get down to it, shall we? On tonight's episode of The Conspiracy Show, we're going to ask the musical question, is the Illuminati and Satan controlling the music industry? And I ask this question without a hint of sarcasm. For generations, parents have complained half-jokingly that the racket their children listen to and call music must be composed by Beelzebub or Satan or Baphomet himself. And I'm not just talking about heavy metal or rap and hip-hop. Admittedly, I'm not a fan of those particular genres. But even much of what passes off as pop music, from top-grossing musical artists such as Rihanna and Katy Perry, Beyonce, Christina Aguilera, their music and their videos seem to be riddled with what you would have to call disturbing messages and symbols, and one could easily argue they are satanic in origin. Well, my guest tonight on The Conspiracy Show has been wondering about this, too, for an awful long time, but he didn't stop at wondering. He went out and he did some heavy lifting, and he drilled down deep and did some considerable amount of research, and the result was a mighty impressive tome entitled Illuminati and the Music Industry. Mark Dice is a media analyst and a political activist, He's the author of several books on current events, 
secret societies and conspiracies, including his newest book, up until tonight, that is, uh, Big Brother, The Orwellian Nightmare Come True, which is available on Amazon.com, Kindle and Nook. While much of Mark's work confirms the existence and continued operation of the Illuminati today, he's also dedicated to debunking conspiracy theories and hoaxes and separating the facts from fiction, hence the facts and fiction subtitle for several of his books. He has a bachelor's degree in communication from California State University. He lives in San Diego. And as I say, his latest book is... Illuminati and the music industry. A great pleasure to welcome Mark Dice to the program. Hey, Mark, Happy New Year. How are you? Hey, Happy New Year. Thanks for having me on. And yeah, it's it's fascinating to look at the power of music, the ability that it has to shape people's attitudes, to shape the culture, to shape trends, people's belief systems. And if you take a look at some of the major pop stars of today in a variety of genres, it's clear that they are putting forth a, a demonic, materialistic, shallow, satanic message. These Illuminati icons, these demonic dirtbags, as I call them, are you just listen to their music, and it becomes clear. Mainstream rap, of course, has been hijacked and perverted from its original roots now that it only promotes a materialistic, do-what-thou-wilt, um, money, sex and drugs, a, a very dangerous damaging philosophical viewpoint but we also have many pop stars many seemingly family-friendly pop stars that we see on all the morning shows all the late-night talk shows uh, people like Kesha Christina Aguilera Nicki Minaj which is a stage name by the way meaning Minaj a trois her name really means Nicki three-way Nicki threesome uh, whom Ellen Degenerate here in America uh, introduced some, you know, seven and eight year old girls to as their number one fans. And if you just listen to the content of her music, it's clear that it is, it's brain damaging. It's mentally enslaving. It is just absolute garbage. And this is what the population has been trained to think is cool, uh, to mimic. We have artists like Miley Cyrus promoting popping Molly form of ecstasy, snorting cocaine, just all the very worst, most destructive social behaviors. And that's considered cool. That is what the mainstream music uh, industry in, in America is promoting. That's what they're doing. Well, Mark, the interesting thing is, if you were to dial this conversation back 60 years ago, we would have the same conversation. You remember the uproar with uh, Elvis the Pelvis and and uh, back in the, uh, the mid-1950s, and rock and roll has got to go, and it's the devil's music. What's changed? Is it is it has it always been thus, or 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 is it just have they have they meaning the Illuminati? And we'll get into some definitions here in a moment. Have they simply ramped up their game? Well, you look at some of the old-fashioned music from the fifties, sixties. I mean, it's there's some great music there. You have a lot of the quote oldies uh, that we hear that we many people are of any age are familiar with in movie soundtracks and in commercials. A lot more songs about just falling in love or just kind of enjoying things in life. But now we have music pumped into uh, shopping malls, at the gym, on Top 40 radio, just pumping in this pure, mind-numbing music. Maybe people in the past were talking and singing about smoking marijuana, not really that big of a deal in moderation. But you have people like Miley Virus, Miley Cyrus, uh, uh, promoting popping ecstasy, snorting cocaine, um, very dangerous mind 
altering, brain-damaging drugs. So I think it has gotten a lot worse. We have mainstream rappers like Rick Ross uh, that is portraying a coke-dealing, gun-running thug. And that's what people believe is cool. You know, I mean, at some point in time, uh, people would have looked at that and shook their head. You look at some of the songs that Elvis was singing, very mild, very tame compared to Rick Ross, who I, I nicknamed Pig Ross, by the way. He's just a big, fat, shamu-looking fool. Um, but he... You know, has a lot of things about selling drugs on his iPhone, and every single song is about drug dealing and strippers, just the very worst aspects of life. And that is what's mainstream. It's not that it's, that it's out there, that uh, it's a small percentage of the genre. This is what's mainstream. This is a guy that gets endorsed by Reebok, by uh, signing deals with uh, high fructose corn syrup flavored um, cavity in a can companies known as soda uh, maybe you call it pop up there in the in the north but it's it's very interesting to to see what has happened and what is considered to be cool today how do you uh, how do you respond to the argument uh, that that uh, the music industry like most forms of art is merely holding up a mirror to society and reflecting back what is out there most people are materialist uh, the, uh, you know, running around chasing, uh, you know, acquiring toys and, and, uh, you know, working 60, 70 hours a week in order to pay for them. And, uh, we have lost sort of touch with, uh, spirituality and religion. And, and this is simply the way society is and music is simply reflecting that. It, it does reflect it, but it also encourages it. It's a double-edged sword. You know, art imitates life. Life imitates art. Uh, people deny that uh, music and movies have any, quote, influence on society, but that's uh, a blatant lie. I mean, we look at musicians that start social trends, social awareness. We have bands that get together to raise awareness for certain disasters. We have anti-war bands that spread a message raising awareness about certain issues. We have modern-day bands, Macklemore and Ryan Lewis, promoting homosexual uh, rights. And so we have music. It is a reflection in some stance, but it also is a tool to condition and to encourage and to guide people's behaviors. And in your contention is, uh, in the sort of the, the thrust of your book, The Illuminati and the Music Industry, is that this is being programmed, this message, uh, being programmed from the top down. Now, we're coming up on a break, but let's at least get into this uh, aspect of the conversation, and and, and we need a definition. The the, the term Illuminati uh, means many things to many people, Uh, but but what do you mean by uh, the Illuminati? The Illuminati, it's essentially a modern-day mafia. It is the pinnacle of power of various intersecting organizations that have influence over the media, the banking industry, uh, the political sphere, uh, in some cases religion. And so the pinnacles of power merge at the very top, and it's an extension of the ancient priest class uh, from Egypt and, and beyond when the priest and his inner circle were considered to be uh, gods because of their knowledge that they had, and they kept the masses ignorant and unaware of the, the real history and their humanity and of science, technology, uh, the agriculture. And so 
through the centuries, this Illuminati mafia has morphed from the inner circle secretive priest class or the uh, the Pharisees into a more um, modern day group that pulls the strings in politics, that start the wars, that own the media, that classically condition and, and control the information that the masses get. Uh, they own the banks that issue the currency uh, that then, through their money manipulating, essentially create money out of nothing and then lend it out at interest. And it's an incredible scam. Uh, but because they have become the ones that control that, they have such an immense amount of power. So well, that's, a, that's a good place to start. I think you've defined Illuminati quite nicely. Let's uh, take a time out, come back, and we'll find out what the Illuminati's ultimate goals are and how the Illuminati is using mainstream musicians to further their aims. Mark Dice, my guest, the author of Illuminati and the Music Industry, right here in The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. To speak to Richard live, call 416-360-0740. Mark Dice is a media analyst, political activist, author. His uh, latest is entitled Illuminati and the Music Industry. Uh, and we are talking about uh, just that, the, the Illuminati, the Satan-worshipping mafia using mainstream musicians to further their aims. So that begs the obvious question, what are the Illuminati's uh, ultimate goals, Mark? Well, if you want to get right down to the very, very last few rungs in the Illuminati rabbit hole, it's they're paving the path for the arrival of the Antichrist, and they're setting the stage so that Satan will be seen as cool, uh, as his priest, his messiah, his counterfeit Christ, when he comes onto the scene in the next perhaps few decades, will be seen and worshipped by the masses as the messiah of the world. And through these musicians, they're paving the path so that they're conditioning everybody to believe and think that Satanism is cool, Satanism is freeing, Christianity is bad, Jesus is bad, anybody that has uh, any sort of traditional, old-fashioned quote-unquote, old-fashioned value systems, uh, anybody that believes in the Constitution, uh, a Bill of Rights here in America, freedom of speech, is seen as bad, as evil. And so the all-seeing eye is one of the most popular symbols of the Illuminati, and that's the symbol of their power. That's the symbol of the Big Brother control grid uh, that people are going to see as watching over everybody to, quote, keep everybody safe from these evil Christian terrorists that uh, uh, don't like this tyrannical system, that are speaking out against these demonic dirtbags. Um, that's their ultimate goal. Their short-term goal is to gain and maintain positions of power. That's what mafias do. They want to take the shortcuts. They break the rule. They break the golden rule of life uh, and engage in a criminal enterprise because if they can operate without getting caught, it's a very lucrative, it's a very um, easily easy way to make money and to make a lot of money, and they love and get off on the power. Uh, you know, Henry Kissinger, 
a notorious war criminal, uh, said that power was the greatest aphrodisiac. And to an extent, he's right. Uh, money leads to power, and that's what they want, the power, the control. And that's why we have these Bilderberg groups, uh, Council on Foreign Relations, build the Bohemian Grove, these Illuminati uh, organizations that have the world's most powerful men in them. And this is why the top-level CEOs match the same psychological profile of a psychopath. They have these characteristics that drive them for their uh, positions of power that is really a psychosis, uh, but it, it is fueled them to the positions that they're in. Yeah, I, I hear you with, uh, with that. I mean, uh, one of the things that, just as a, a slight sidebar here, is I've, I've, I was wondering out loud, actually, recently, given all that's going on in the world, uh, the, the geopolitical uh, turbulence and, and the uh, political subterfuge and uh, the revelations about what's happening with the NSA and some of the things that you've just highlighted and, and, and uh, you know, wars in Afghanistan and, and saddle ra- uh, uh, saber-rattling uh, over Iran and Syria and so forth. And I'm thinking to myself, where are the protest songs? There, there's none of that out there. Where are the new Bob Dylans? Uh, it's just this, you know, get as much as you can, you know, if it if it feels right, do it. Uh, that's all we're hearing. Yeah, they've taken control over the media. It's such a, a a powerful tool, and I mean, we know that there's you know five companies that control virtually all of the information that people see on the major networks uh, in, in America, Canada, probably not quite to the same extent, but but still very well controlled. And so those kinds of songs are not going to get promoted. Those kinds of songs, uh, you, know, many, you know this, many, many artists don't even write their own songs a- anymore. They just buy them from writers and then sing them. These artists are just actors in a sense. And that's not what they want on the mainstream. They want to have somebody like Miley Cyrus uh, you know, teaching your little, you know, preteen children to, uh, you know, do stripper moves and pop ecstasy and snort cocaine and, uh, quote, sleep with whoever we want to, which is one of the lines in one of her favorite songs. Her producer, by the way, is a man named Terry Richardson, who is uh, uh, just an absolute demonic dirtbag. Be very careful if you look up Terry Richardson's photos. He's a pornographer, by the way, and he's done some very... Um, just absolutely horrific, uh, satanic... Um, I got to be careful how I say this. It's pictures that depict what some people may um, think uh, appears to be bestiality, and this is who is uh, you know promoting. Uh, he, he shot uh, Rihanna's one of Rihanna's new videos. He's uh, friends with the stars. He has done a photo shoot with President Barack Obama. Yeah, uh, I don't I don't know who this fellow is. So I mean I have to be careful. I uh, you know when we throw around terms like pornographer and these sorts of things, I don't know. I can't. I can't vouch for for what you're saying because I've never really looked into this uh, gentleman's work. Or Why not I, want gen- to? <laughs> okay, all right. Forewarned, forearmed. Let, uh, let's let me see if I can get you to walk us through the process. How how they're able to, and the, again, they, the Illuminati, how they're able to grab hold of these stars, promote them. I mean, the I guess it's it's it has to do with the concentration of ownership. But in order to uh, to create a star. Uh, you know, one one often wonders, well, how, why is this person famous, and then this person who's languishing, uh, you know, playing songs in the subway, very talented, they don't, you know, they don't get to the top. How does that happen? How does the Illuminati 
uh, create these these messengers uh, and and these stars? Well, you got to understand the studios are are the ones that own these stars. So these people are essentially just applying for a job with the studio. And Kesha, for example, who has posted satanic upside down pentagrams on her Facebook page to her tens of millions of fans, she's collected uh, baby teeth, over a thousand of them from her fans to turn into clothes that she then wears, wears human uh, human teeth, drinks out of uh, a fake heart. Uh, you know, drinking, guzzling uh, what looks to be like animal blood as she's uh, doing what looks to be a satanic ritual on stage. She came out after her song, Die Young, was pulled from the radio after the uh, Sandy Hook school shooting. She said that she was, quote, forced to do that song. And these these people are just actors. The studios are the ones that have the access to the equipment, that have access to the airwaves. And so these people will willingly become servants of this system. You, know, you see somebody like Rihanna, who started off very nice and sweet and innocent, and then has a new album uh, a few years after Limelight started fading, Good Girl Gone Bad. It changes her image. It's, she has no real control over this. This is what the studio does. They sign contracts that say you're going to give us X amount of albums over the next you know, five years. So they're under a contract to work for these studios to do what these studios tell them to do. They're, it's no different than an actor working in a television show. Uh, the actor has very little leeway about what their character does. It's the studio and the network that tells them what they have to do. And, I mean, if you, if you look at the media ownership, uh, a famous uh, media critic, uh, Ben Bagdikian, wrote in his book, The New Media Monopoly, that, quote, the possibilities for mutual promotion on all venues of various medias is the, big, the basic reason that the big five talking about the big five networks, uh, News Corp, Time Warner, Disney, Viacom, and, and Bertelsmann Media Group, have become major owners of all kinds of media. He goes on to say that, for example, actors and actresses in a conglomerate's wholly owned movie studio appear on the same company's television and cable networks. Photographs of the newly minted celebrities can dominate the covers of the firm's wholly owned magazines. And those celebrities can be interviewed on the firm's wholly owned radio and television talk shows. And he finishes this interesting statement by saying that the conglomerate can commission an author from its wholly owned book publishing firm to write a biography or a purported autobiography of the new star, which in turn is promoted on the firm's other media. Now, do some of these uh, young stars, uh, do they even know what they're doing do they do they think what they're doing is just you know trendy but meanwhile you know every sunday they're in church they're leading good christian lives or whatever their religion may may be or are they are they programmed are they mind controlled are they uh, are they forced to to to, to worship satan uh, give me a sense of, of you know how uh, how deep they're into this I think they're blinded by extreme wealth and fame, which can be very intoxicating for these people. I mean, the amount of money that these stars generate and are paid is inconceivable to your average person who works a job or tries to work a series of jobs over 40 years trying to 
save enough money to maybe retire in their late 60s or 70s. And you're talking about people that are making tens of millions of dollars a year. Your average person, and even myself looking at this, can't really fathom what it's like to have 20 million, 30, 40, 50 million dollars in assets or in cash. The it's intoxicating, and so these people are willing servants of the system, and I don't think they really care. I don't think they care less about the consequences because they're cashing in and making it's just an astronomical amount of money. Mark Dice is with us, the author of Illuminati and the Music Industry. Uh, let's talk about some of the symbols. I mean, some of it, uh, you know, the message is coming through in the music, but if you actually stop and watch some of the videos, one of the things I've noticed about uh, a lot of videos, music videos, when I do happen to catch a glimpse of them, and I, I'm not a, a consumer of music videos these days, but when I, when I pass by them, I see a lot of videos containing people standing in the rain. Rain. It's constantly raining in these music videos. And then it's a short time while, uh, a short time later, you'll see snakes popping up in these videos. Now, obviously, you know, there's a, a direct correlation between the snake as a symbol and the devil or Satan. Uh, shed some light on uh, on uh, what, what some of these symbols are, what, what what we can look for, and if you can tell me what what all the rain is about in these videos, I'd like to know that too. Well, the rain sort of symbolizes their uh, it, it symbolizes their Luciferian baptism uh, into their birth of their new self. Uh, it, Beyonce, who was seemingly innocent and nice and sweet before she married and hooked up with Jay-Z, uh, in her music video, Crazy in Love, Jay-Z literally kills her. He lights a car on fire and blows it up with Beyonce inside, and she dies. And then out pops a new born-again Beyonce with her alter ego, Sasha Fierce, a more demonic and, and edgy character. Uh, we're seeing a lot of stars latching on to Illuminati symbolism, the all-seeing eye, some of these lower-level stars like Angel Hayes, um, Christina Aguilera, very, very popular, very famous, is seen using Illuminati symbolism, an all-seeing eye dancing on top of a pyramid, uh, her and her dancers literally just desecrating a church, having an orgy inside of a church. It's, it's clearly depicted as a church with stained glass windows. You're seeing a lot of symbol, uh, symbols like uh, the, the Baphomet symbol that the Knights Templar worshipped uh, is being used by some of these people. Rick Ross, this this drug dealing uh, dirtbag, he's rapping on a throne that contains a Baphomet symbol. We have uh, Drake using an owl symbol, which inherently is is a, is a neutral symbol, but it's depicting wisdom. And these people pervert what was good. That's why they use the sun symbol. The sun represents power, brilliance, uh, and so they use that to symbolize their power as they have hijacked and what is good and twisted it and perverted it around. They're likening themselves to gods. Yes, that's essentially what it is. Some stars go so far as to use satanic pentagrams like Kesha. Uh, Little Wayne is seen wearing devil horns and keeps women locked up in cages, bathing in blood in one of his music videos. And you can see my analysis of this if you just go to my YouTube channel, Mark Dice, M-A-R-K-D-I-C-E, and see the playlists where I break these things down. Uh, Rihanna is dancing on the floor 
in a, a a circle that's painted on the ground with two intersecting triangles while she's wearing devil horns. It's become very blatant because these symbols represent power. These symbols represent uh, this satanic philosophy, this ancient mystery of becoming your own god and that is what they're teaching that's what they're preaching azealia banks is another one uh these rappers that are trying to get noticed by the mainstream system to then be promoted into the uh mainstream culture there's a picture on online uh and i don't can't remember if this is featured in your book as well i think it is but it's beyonce uh on a televised performance and she's wearing a ring there's a close-up of the ring and it is is Baphomet. Now uh, we'll take a time out. The music's uh, percolating up here. We'll we'll come back. I want to f- find out a little bit more about Baphomet and why Beyonce is wearing this ring. And then there's a uh, a very common sort of gesture with with musicians today and celebrities. Uh, uh, it's a term called throwing the diamond. I want to find out what that means as well. Mark Dice, Illuminati and the music industry, right here on the Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. We're back with Mark Dice. here. He's talking about the Illuminati's influence in the music industry and how some of today's hottest stars use esoteric symbols and song lyrics to push the secret society's agenda. And uh, uh, Mark Dice's website and his book, Illuminati in the Music Industry, I've uh, hooked up to them, uh, their website, uh, or his website rather, and information on the book uh, at richardserrett.com. So, Mark, we, um, I wanted to ask you, we were talking about some of the symbols, uh, and I wanted to ask you about this ring. Uh, there's a close-up of Beyonce, a television performance, and she's wearing this, this ring, which is uh, connected, I guess, with, with Satan worship. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, Baphomet is the figurine that the Knights Templar were said to have worshipped that represented the, the divine astral light, or just it represented their demonic god. Uh, and some people say that the Catholic Church made up the Baphomet worship as an excuse to confiscate their wealth. They were famously rounded up in the 1300s on supposedly Friday the 13th, which is one of the reasons why some people believe that that day is unlucky. But what's interesting is the Church of Satan, this just absolute just kind of group of losers that was founded in the 1960s by Anton LaVey. In his book, he's the author of the Satanic Bible, he admits that the, or he believes that the Knights Templar did, in fact, worship uh, Baphomet, and that it was not a hoax or a made-up excuse to confiscate their wealth and imprison them by the Catholic Church. Uh, We have another uh, very popular uh, occultist Eliphaz Levi, who wrote in his book, Transcendental Magic, uh, that uh, he says, quote, Did the Templars really adore Baphomet? Uh, was that the actual secret and the potent association which imperiled the church and state? Judge nothing lightly. He says, They are guilty of a great crime. They have exposed to profane eyes the sanctuary of antique initiation. Uh, so he, he just goes on to say that, yes, in our profane conviction, the Grand Masters of the Order of the Templars worshipped the Baphomet. And we also have a 33rd degree Freemason who was awarded 
a, a prestigious, considered one of the greatest philosophers of Freemasonry by the uh, Scottish Rite. And this is Manly P. Hall, and in his book, The Secret Teachings of All Ages, he again says that Baphomet was uh, worshipped by the Knights Templar. And so it's essentially a satanic symbol that represents power and their god. Uh, and so that's why we're seeing a lot of these stars use this Baphomet symbol. Uh, and again, it's it started off sort of a secret. They use it because it represents power, it's mysterious, but it also goes hand-in-hand hand with the unfolding of Bible prophecy where the vast majority of people are going to be tricked and see Satan as good, and so their favorite celebrity, you know, the modern-day gods and goddesses, are the ones that are teaching the masses uh, what these symbols are, or, or really a perverted sense of it, conditioning them to think that these symbols are cool, to think that they're good, to think that anybody who disagrees with that, they're the bad ones, they're the evil ones, they're the ones that need to be rounded up and put into a FEMA camp and killed. Many of us are aware of the uh, the devil uh, horn sign that uh, you know we've we've seen from time to time, um, major political leaders, presidents uh, waving the devil horn. Uh, caught, you know, in a, in a single fo photographic frame. Uh, what I'm seeing a lot of today is this thing. It's called throwing up the diamond, uh, where uh, people like, you know, Kobe Bryant or Ken Kanye West or uh, rapper, uh, I think his name is King James, even the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin, who I love. I love her music. But uh, these people have all been captured doing something called throwing up the diamond with their two hands. Explain that. What is throwing up the diamond? Yeah, Jay-Z started this symbol, and they say it's a diamond. It looks like a pyramid, uh, and they often hold it up over one eye, symbolizing a triangle with an eye in the middle, which is the really the most popular Illuminati symbol. And Jay-Z, you know, worth a half a billion dollars, reportedly, you know, $450 million this guy is worth. Uh, he started a, ro a record label, named it after the Rockefeller family, uh, the Rockefeller is one of the most notorious Illuminati banking families with their tentacles just wrapped around MKUltra, CIA mind-controlling. They funded the eugenics program. They gave the land to the United Nations uh, building in New York. So he is sort of paying homage to the Illuminati, and because these monkey see, monkey do, uh, people mimic this because it's considered to be cool. The Illuminati's cool. It represents power. It's the same reason why a lot of people like, and myself used to when I was younger, used to like these mafia films, Goodfellas, Casino, because that power is very appealing. And so what's more powerful than the Italian mafia? The Illuminati mafia. And that is the ultimate pinnacle of power. And so that's why you see so many people People like to be gangsters. They like to watch those gangster movies. They dress up as gangsters for Halloween. And so now we're seeing a new elevation of this mafia mentality, and that is the Illuminati mafia. Jay-Z also uh, campaigned for Obama, was very uh, uh, very critical in getting out the vote. Literally was Obama's hype man on stage introducing Obama um, he has a, a gold-covered human skull that was given to him by his protege, Kanye West, who uh, has knocked up uh, the, the Antichrist of entertainment, Kim Kardashian, who you know just does bathes in blood, bathes in human blood, trying to maintain her youth, 
kind of like Elizabeth Bathory, this woman who killed a bunch of virgins. Um, I forget what year this was, but she, one of the most notorious serial killers in history, thought that by bathing in virgin blood, she would maintain her youth. And so we have, you know, celebrities doing a more modern, tamed version of that. Obviously, they can't um, kill a bunch of people and bathe in their blood, but they're just bathing in human blood anyway, just to, to maintain their youth. Who are the who are the artists that are speaking up about this? Because not everyone, not every musician, obviously, uh, is uh, you know going along with this. So, are there musicians, in fact, that are that have spoken out against this kind of thing? Yes, um, not very many of them, but some of them have. We have uh, a, a very famous rock band, Corn. Their their singer Jonathan Davis. He wrote a song called Illuminati and was called Obama an Illuminati puppet in an interview with Billboard magazine. Uh, we have uh, smaller, lesser-known artists. Uh, MC Hammer, very popular in the 1980s. Some, some of the audience may not know who he is, but he did a music video and a song calling out Jay-Z, calling him a devil worshiper. At the very end of the music video, he baptizes the uh, character who was playing Jay-Z as he chased him around, but he did a whole song and video calling him literally a Satanist and calling him out for uh, the same things that I'm reporting on. Uh, Smaller artists, lesser-known Immortal Technique, uh, Paris. Uh, We have uh, Dave Mustaine of Megadeth, a very popular uh, heavy metal band. The, The band on the surface, you know, may sound a little satanic mega death but it's it's a satire and it's a warning and their music if you really listen to it is uh, warning about these very uh, kinds of things all right i've got to step in here mark take a time out we'll come back and uh, continue to talk about the illuminati in the music industry with political activist media analyst author mark dice right here on the conspiracy show stay with us Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Mark Dice stays with us. Illuminati in the music industry. And you were talking about uh, some of the, the artists that have uh, spoken out about uh, what, they, what they see as essentially Satan worship and promoting Satan worship. Uh, and I'm wondering as a result of, of, of your work and your, your book whether... Uh, you found any big names in the industry that now have become fans of yours because of uh, because of this? You know, I have been in communication with Jonathan Davis, the singer of Corn. I noticed that he was following me on Twitter when I went to um, tweet him some information, and uh, I, he was, we've communicated through uh, private message on Twitter. Another famous rapper. Uh, Big Boy, he's from Outkast. He hasn't been too vocal about it, uh, but they're a multi-Grammy award-winning, or, or, you know, worldwide rap duo. Um, he has, I noticed, followed me on Twitter, and these aren't auto-follows. I, I've never followed any of these people. Uh, I think I might follow them now, but they, they had followed me first. I'd seen them retweet some of my stuff. Um, a couple other people probably don't want to be mentioned, but... Um, those guys have, uh, you know, kind of covertly um, found my work somehow. I think because I've been so vocal about it. Uh, I know that um, 
uh, maybe there's a couple others I can't really think of off the top of my head, but I was pretty surprised. You know, I mean, I, I grew up uh, listening to some of their music, so it was very validating to see that my work had reached, uh, you know, them, that they had, uh, you know, apparently become fans of mine, too, which is very humbling. What's uh, this uh, in your book about uh, the Walmart Illuminati kidnapping? You know, because these artists are promoting the Illuminati as cool, uh, as, as opposed to the, the, the mafia that starts the wars and is ruining the banking industry and plunging this, you know, this world into uh, financial ruin, we're seeing a rash of just mentally ill people committing crimes, attempted murder, kidnappings, uh, saying that it's for the Illuminati. So just uh, a few months ago, here in America, a 37-year-old man was killed by police inside of a Walmart because he snatched a two-year-old infant, infant from uh, uh, her mother's shopping cart and held a knife to her neck and said that he was going to uh, sacrifice her for the Illuminati. And so we have uh, another rapper, uh, an aspiring rapper, last year, a 27-year-old guy in, uh, I think it was Virginia, shot his friend as a, quote, Illuminati sacrifice because he thought that it was going to get the, the uh, attention of the Illuminati, and they were going to reward him with a rap contract. And then, I mean, it just goes on and on. We have a, a fifth grader. Uh, in California a couple months ago that stood up in the middle of class and said that she's with the Illuminati and that she wants to sell her soul to Satan and kill the cl her fellow classmates and then picked up a scissors and tried to stab somebody. And so we're seeing this, this rash of mentally ill people that are doing attempted murders thinking that it's going to uh, Satan's going to bless them for it. It's incredible. You, uh, you, you make some interesting connections in Illuminati in the mu music industry between Operation Mockingbird, the CIA, the media. Let's start with the CIA. What, did they, what do they have to do with this? You know, on a more hard news level, we're talking mainly about entertainment news, but uh, when we're talking about media control, when we say, quote, they control the media, it's largely the CIA, the Central Intelligence Agency, and this is admitted and has been confirmed back in 1975 here in the states there was a senate select committee called the church committee headed up by senator frank church that was investigating the cia's role in influencing mainstream media uh, broadcast newspaper uh, newspapers magazines etc and so they had a whole congressional hearing and their report concluded that and I'm reading right from the, the official published report, which came out in 1976 after the hearings were completed, where the report concluded that, quote, the CIA currently maintains a network of several hundred individuals around the world who provide intelligence for the CIA and at times influence opinion through the use of covert propaganda. These individuals provide the CIA with direct access to a large number of newspapers and periodical periodicals, scores, of press services and news agencies, radio, television stations, commercial book publishers, and other foreign media outlets. Um, Sig Mickelson, the former president of CBS, was later asked if he believed that the CIA still maintained relationships with reporters, and he said, quote, yeah, 
I would probably think that they do. For a reporter, it would probably continue today. But because of the revelations of the period of the 1970s, it seems to me that a reporter has to be a lot more circumspect when doing it now, where he runs the risk of at least being looked at with considerable disfavor by the public. I think that you've got to be much more careful about it. And there's another quote I want to read from the report. Um, Thomas Braden, who worked for the CIA, he was a director of Operation Mockingbird. It's, re- it's called Mockingbird because a mockingbird repeats what, it's, what it hears. And so these talking heads, these reporters, would just simply repeat what they were told as if it were news. And they also acted as gatekeepers to prevent certain stories from going out. And they were spent, this program was, they were using, it spent, it cost a billion dollars a year in today's dollars that they were paying under the table. And so this guy, Thomas Braden, who headed up this program, admitted that he said, quote, um, say that this man could use $50,000. He was talking about, um, let's say, a labor leader. Uh, suppose that uh, the handler thought this man could use $50,000. He's working well and doing a good job. Uh, he, meaning the CIA handler, could hand it to him and never have to account to anybody. I'm reading here right from the report, uh, from his testimony. There was simply no limit to the money that it could spend, no limit to the people it could hire, no limit to the activities it could decide were necessary to conduct the war, the secret war. It was multinational. Uh, another interesting uh, connection that you make, we go back to the early 1960s. Uh, and, and Back then there was um, a study on children's behavior. Uh, it was called the Bobo doll experiment. Now, what, pray tell, does the Illuminati and the music industry have to do with the Bobo doll experiment? This is to show how easily children's behavior is influenced, how they mimic behaviors that they see. When, if they hadn't witnessed that behavior, the idea would never have been planted in their mind. So, for people that deny and really lie that mainstream media, that the music, that these musicians don't influence people to, you know, do drugs, to act sexually promiscuous, to behave in a destructive, socially disastrous manner, to uh, encourage these very kinds of behaviors that they are portraying in the media. This bubble doll experiment, a bubble doll is this inflatable doll with a weight on the bottom. Many people have probably had one as a child or are familiar with it. Sort of, sort of like a punching bag. You know, you punch the doll and it, it falls to the ground and because it's weighted, it looks like a bowling pin and it rises back up and you punch it again. It's a, it's a children's toy. And so this experiment, uh, showed that they put a bubble doll in a room with a bunch of kids with a bunch of other toys. And nobody was playing with the doll. Nobody knew what to do. But as soon as an experimenter went and started punching the doll and, and, and kicking the doll, as soon as he left the room, then guess what the kids did? They mimicked his behavior. They followed in suit. When before, they would have never even done that. And so it just goes to show it's a classic experiment demonstrating the various aspects of what's called social learning theory or observational learning, clearly showing that children imitate behavior that they witness. Just spend uh, 30 seconds or so telling us about your YouTube channel, and if we want to access uh, some of the uh, the videos that you've put up there, how do we do that? Go to youtube.com slash markdice, M-A-R-K-D-I-C-E, and subscribe to the channel, and there's playlists where I 
break down and give analysis and show the very images, show clips from these popular music videos from these mainstream artists. I do Man on the Street Monday videos where I uh, just can get to go out and interact with the general public here in America to just show how uh, brain damaged they have become, just how far gone their minds have uh, become. You can get my books on, uh, it's not in stored on in stores because I'm just too controversial, I guess, to have a big uh, publisher behind me. So you can get the book in paperback or any of them on Amazon.com or Amazon.ca up there in Canada or uh, your e-reader device, Kindle Nook, uh, iBooks. Um, some of them are on Google Play as well. Um, check out the YouTube channel. and um, it's The books are good because it's hard, as you may know, doing a talk show to kind of articulate all this information off the top of your head. And so when I write a book, you don't just write it. You write it. You rewrite it. You go over it with a fine-tooth comb five, six, seven, eight, ten times in rewrite and add pieces and, and source things. And so that's why if, if this is making any sense to you, I just urge people to go out and get the book, Illuminati in the Music Industry. Uh, and uh, it's going to be a real, real eye-opener, and you're going to see what what these idols do, and it's a more serious look at the music industry, music studies, media studies, the effects of media, how it shapes our culture, how it affects people's behaviors, attitudes, and tastes. All right, Mark, you've done a quite, uh, quite a nice job, I think, summarizing the content. Illuminati in the music industry. Mark Dice, thanks so much for this. Thank you, Richard, and uh, keep up the good work over there, up there in Canada. Appreciate it. The website, richardserrett.com, back online. Say hello on Twitter, at Richard Serrett. As always, follow the truth.